This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 18, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New for this year, 2017 opening day rosters, historic Negro League integration, run the ultimate what-if scenarios, tournaments, fall leagues, a redesigned injury system, an improved 3D game, real-time presentation, and game highlights, improved player morale, and team chemistry, and so much more. Out of the Park Baseball 18 has the full sleeper in the bust stamp of approval. We all play it and have for years. Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bust podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, and just enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bust, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 18. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout for a special discount and to support our show. Guys, I, I'm obsessed with this game. It is so much fun. Um, I played a lot of OTP17. You guys have heard me talk about my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash peacefor24. I was streaming my 17 franchise over there. I, I, I did a fantasy draft in 1995. I was able to get Ken Griffey Jr., and Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the computer was thinking there, uh, letting letting both of those guys get there. I took Pedro with my first pick, and then and then got Ken Griffey Jr. I haven't started my new eighteen one for um, for streams yet, but I'm going to. And I'm actually just gonna gonna start over. I, I I won the World Series that first year with the with the seventeen team, but I'm gonna start a new one. We'll do the draft at some point soon, so stay tuned for that. But out of the park is is just so much fun. You've heard me talk about. Uh, other baseball video games I like, they're, they're two different experiences. This is the sim, in-depth, management sort of deal, and then the other game is, is playing. So um, I absolutely love this game. One last time, ootpdevelopments.com. Sleeper18 is, is your discount code. Uh, that lets them know that we, that we sent you there, and they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit off the top as well. If you do play the game, let me know. Let me know what you're doing with it. Let me know what, uh, what team you're going with, whether you're starting historically or going from now. Uh, if you do the fantasy draft, hit me up on Twitter, at Spora. I love kind of seeing how people go because it, it doesn't just play out 100% to, to history. Things can change and you can have guys you know you can have a failed prospect that actually pans out for you so i I love seeing that stuff definitely hit me up there um and 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 thanks for supporting the show by by going to ootpdevelopments.com Welcome to episode 486 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, August 10th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, I'm still living out of boxes, but... Uh, but you're in the new house. In the new house, and every day, everything's a little bit more comfortable. That's good. Uh, yeah, it's always... Uh, moving Moving's a pain in the butt, right? There's really no two ways around that, but uh, it, at least you've got the hard part done, moving in. And then kind of unpacking. I mean, there have been times I've moved into an apartment and 
It's been comical how long it took to like actually <laughs> unpack. I got a couple boxes here, but those are just because it's books, and I'm not I'm not taking them all out. Like yeah, that. we we were in our house for, in the other house for two years, and there were definitely about five or six boxes I never opened. So. Uh, my mom has a rule. I, I actually like it. She has a rule that you're supposed to just throw away anything. If it's, it's, it's a great it rule. One move to the next, and the, you didn't open the box, just throw yeah. it away. <laughs> it says something about the quality of that stuff. Of the, it's yeah. clearly non-essential. Now, if it is some more of like the more memorable, like memento stuff, fine, take that stuff out, put it away. But there's guaranteed something in that box that can be thrown away, and I definitely have troubles throwing stuff away that i'm like i just don't need this i just yeah. really really don't <laughs> you know i'll tell you what i want to talk about our question today here um i don't know how i felt when i first heard the idea of, of players weekend where they're gonna put the nicknames on the back of the shirt it, it didn't bother me or anything i was just like okay we'll see how it goes now it's happening and they're showing all the the jerseys and the nicknames the jerseys i can pretty much give you can have that they're actually pretty you know, ugly they're they're pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, the the large majority of them, I would say, I think the Padres one's actually pretty decent, where it's uh, kind of a brighter yellow and a, and a navy blue. They have some components of that throughout their uh, jersey, but for the most part, most of them are garbage. Some of the hats are even cool, and I'm very much on a give me the hats that are they're going to wear on the field. But some of the color schemes on the hats actually worked. I just didn't think they translated to the jerseys. But the nicknames, my God, the nicknames. Really loving this idea, yeah. <laughs> giving a players a chance to show some creativity. Not everyone's participating, but I I really like it. I, I'm seeing you know the expected reaction of, of people that are just going to hate on everything, hating it. I, I don't see that. How, how do you, how have you felt about players weekend? And do you have a favorite nickname yet? Yeah, there have been so many good ones that I've kind of that each time I've seen one, I've been like, oh, I love that one. It's funny, the first one I saw, one of the first I saw was the Phillies, and Aaron Althair, his nickname is A.A. Ron, which is from that uh, that great sketch the comedy sketch. Yeah, and so. I love that. I, I was love laughing them. hard. But then Aaron Hicks took it too, so. I'm fine with like, it. Oh, Anyone yeah, named Aaron funny. is yeah, getting called to, that these days. That joke. Yeah. yeah, like you, you, that's just what's happening now because that, that sketch resonated so much that, I mean, if your name's Blake, you're getting called Balake, and, and that's just the way it is. So I believe that both Altair and Hicks are called AA Ron in the clubhouse, and, you know, they're just going off of. What they get called. So there is some uh, there, there is some overlap there. My favorite one, hands down, is Kyle Seeger putting Corey's brother. <laughs> like that's amazing. God, yeah. that's amazing. I love it. It's it's humble and it, it's funny. It, I don't know. It's just really good. I've always been a Kyle Seeger fan, and <laughs> he just like acknowledges like, yep, that's Corey. He's, he's, you know, what I think also is better. kind of cool about it. It's kind of empowering because. You know, I was thinking about there's some nicknames that we have for players that they don't have for each other or for themselves or, you know, mm-hmm. that that don't resonate with them. Because I was, I was thinking about uh, Doobie. You know, we call Odebel Herrera, we often call him Doobie. And he doesn't call himself that. He, I think it's like uh, uh, Tornitos or something, uh, Toritos. It's like about... Um, it's like a baby bull and he makes little bull horns. Oh, see, I like when that. He, when he makes doubles. Yeah. And uh, and so, um, you know, that's that's, you know, I thought, well, that would sell. <laughs> well, and, you know, speaking of giving them some creativity and allowing them to express themselves, 
allowing some of the ones that are, are different languages, right? Uh, yeah, we have yeah, exactly. Hansu Kim and Eric Thames, obviously he played overseas. They both have, I believe, Korean uh, yeah. on the back of their jerseys. And then I there's think, some Spanish uh, ones, and I like that. Votto even has Korean on the back of his because he had this ongoing joke with Shinsu Chu where he asked Chu to be the rabbit that he chases at the, you know, like the dog race where they mm-hmm. chase the rabbit. And he asked Chu for the Korean word for a rabbit, which I think is like Tokito or something. So he, he, he like, he put Tokito too on his, on his uh, jersey <laughs> because he's the second rabbit to choose first rabbit. So, uh, you know, that's fun. And, um, you know, there, there's uh, some really, some good ones like trigonometry, Andrew Triggs. Um, you know, and, and then like, you know, Springer, you know, he put Springer on the back of his Jersey and maybe that's his nickname. Uh, you know, it, it's too bad that he didn't go with Dinger. If you right. went with Dinger, uh, there'd be a lot of people who just bought the Dinger shirt, 100%. but, but you know, it, there's also, like I said, it's empowerment. Like he can be who he likes to be. I mean, I was called Enos the penis forever. I, I wouldn't put that on the back put of that my on Jersey. Oh. No way. Oh, okay. No, no way. um, I, here's I put, the thing too. Don't automatically hate on somebody who didn't participate. I don't think everyone necessarily has a nickname. I do think in baseball, you're going to see, and in sports in general, more nicknames than the general populace. You know, if you go into your office, not everyone's going to have a nickname. Probably a couple people do. You go into a clubhouse or a locker room, a much larger majority. But nicknames, they don't they don't fit everybody, and and you can't always force it. So some of the guys that don't have one. They might just not get called anything but their name, their last name or their first name. Like the only quote unquote nickname I've ever really had is my is my last name, Sporer. Um, so you know, I would just put that on the jersey. They like, oh, that guy didn't even right. Like, I what, think what that a piece of garbage. Like Springer may his nickname may be Springer. So <laughs> what if they just call him that? Yeah, yeah. yeah so so um, but then I, there's, I, I like it. There's also the funny thing that we're just, that we're touching on, which is like the the nickname that people have for you that you don't like, like the Enos, the penis, like, you know, I might do it just to be ironic and funny. They probably wouldn't let me. Um, but, uh, uh, there is that kind of balance between like a nickname that you are like, okay with and the nickname that you want and the nickname that people give you. Like my nickname in high school was dink because I started high school at five foot, a hundred pounds and left at six foot two, 120. So, they it was dink when I was little because I was little, and then yeah. it, it got progressively funnier every time I got bigger. Because you clearly weren't a dink at that point. But I still hated it. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> like, now, that's not one you're gonna love. Yes, um, and that was definitely put upon me by the, the older guys in my dorm. You know, thanks older jocks. But uh, you know, dinks. so that I think that's like maybe kind of an underbelly to this but since they chose their own you know they can do what they like you know and maybe some of them have um have nicknames that they couldn't put on their back of their jerseys. that would be interesting i think that's what you need to find out when you go in the clubhouse the next couple of weeks and say okay i see your nickname is this what did you really want to put yeah. <laughs> uh, i think i think seattle might have some of the best when you consider big maple uh for james paxton the aforementioned Corey's brother for kyle seeger uh, Boomstick has been a long-time nickname for Nelson Cruz, which is great. King Felix is a good one. Kuma, I know it's just a shortening of Hisashi Iwakuma's last name, That's but cool. I, I like it. Uh, so they, they've got a lot of good ones. And I believe Chu Ruiz is out there, Carlos Ruiz. So yeah. they, they've got they've got a whole bunch in Seattle. Um, but again, 
I don't really like the look of the stuff, so even the ones that I really like, um, I would be unlikely to purchase anything that goes with it. So I think they've got something to work with here, maybe a little bit better on the jerseys. And I'm sure there's plenty of people who love them, right? Things like jerseys and uniforms in general is definitely a case-by-case. Case. Like, it's your personal thing. It's almost like like music, right? I mean, you're going to look the at the colors of something and how it's it's put together and some people are going to love something that you absolutely hate and vice versa. So I'm sure there's people out there like, no, I love these uniforms. But for me, they were pretty much all kind of a, kind of a loss, but I'm looking forward to that. It's a couple of weeks from now. I think, uh, maybe next weekend. Is it, is it the 19th? I thought it was next weekend. Actually, hang on. I'm August gonna find 25th it before to we move on. You're right. Boom. We're there you go. So it's two this. weeks away. Two weeks away. Wow. All right, Ina, let's get into the uh, to, to the quote-unquote real baseball then. Uh, and you're going to be doing uh, two pieces, or is it going to be in the same piece about some exit velo droppers on the on the hitting side and some spin droppers on the pitching side? Are those going to be two separate pieces? I think I might just stick with the hitting. Spin we've known for a while is like a big change in spin. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that we... We can say we know it for sure, but big changes in spin have been used to uh, suggest or highlight injury. So, um, you know, I did want to look at that, but I think at the top of the list were so many guys that we know are injured. So, yeah, I guess that, you know, kind of proves Lance McCullers, you know, third biggest drop in spin. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, Lance McCullers is currently on the disabled list, and And uh, it's been brutal. Drew Steckenrider was was in the top ten, and not the Steck. Yeah, he's getting he's gonna be getting saves. Uh, I have no idea. (laughs) Uh, But uh, let's okay. So on the biggest spin, we'll get to the exit velo guys in a moment. Among those that are still pitching, did you have anybody near the top of the list? that does give you some concern. Maybe their performance also matches the drop in spin. And now you have some concerns, uh, anything that you're seeing there. And are, did you have a, an opposite list of, of biggest spin gainers that maybe you're, you're hyped on? Yeah. I, I don't know. I did do it for four spin. So a four, a four seam. Four seam so, okay. um, that one we are pretty sure is good no matter what. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it for total because, you know, they, people throw all kinds of pitches. But, um, you know, an interesting name that came up on the list is Drew Pomerantz. Uh, who, on the high end or, or the losing he, end? He the losing end, Second right? most lost. And yet his production recently has been pretty good. So I wonder, you know, if there was a blip uh, earlier and he's fine. Or, you know, I would, I would watch, I guess, the injury notes. I mean, the last time out was one run and six and a third with eight strikeouts and a walk. So it's kind of hard um, to, to say anything there. But at the same time, you know, Pomerantz has, has been hurt often. Um, the other name that was interesting at the top was Rich Hill, who, uh, who also gets hurt very often. So then by the time you got down to Jimmy Nelson and Robbie Ray, who are uh, 10 and 11 on the list, uh, the difference is only 60 RPM, so I wonder if that you know if that counts, if it's such a big deal. Sure. And uh, and maybe Robbie Ray, you know, I guess he he was I don't know, but it was kind of a catastrophic injury. He was hit by a pitch. Yeah, he, hit he by got liner or whatever. Yeah, which was obviously brutal. Um, Felipe Rivera was tops on the list. I'm wondering if that's because he's just throwing harder and losing the fastball spin. 
because his velocity's gone up as the season's gone on. Uh, I think he was starting averaging around 96, 97. Now he's up 98, 99. So you think it's just something where he's throwing harder and, and, and taking away his spin for Felipe Rivera? Uh, that could be true. The problem is that spin is usually attached to velocity. So uh, okay. you normally would see a drop in spin uh, based with a drop in velocity. Now that could be that could explain some of Pomerantz if we look at his velocity real quick. Um, yeah, but I I think um, his was the biggest. He's number one on the list, Felipe Rivero. So I don't know exactly what that means. It's it's you're kind of feeling around the dark in here. So that's why I didn't want to emphasize the the spin rates as much, but. Um, I do think that uh, I love in the dark. <laughs> uh, it is an interesting thing to figure out. I mean, he's he's at twenty five hundred. He's a pretty high spin guy. Um, where uh, and, and so is Pomerantz. So those are the two that sort of stand out. And there's been a little bit of a drop off in velocity for uh, for Pomerantz just from off a peak in in August. So um, yeah, but you know, normally velocity goes up, spin goes up. So uh, what you could might also see. Is a drop in release point, not for Pomerantz. How about for Rivera? Okay, that's good. I hesitate to. to I, what I really want is for baseball heat maps and Jeff Zimmerman to get that three-factor thing. I think what what I'm saying is what I'd like is this is sort of incomplete because what I like is to include this. And I know I know actually for a fact that teams are doing this. Um, I'd like to combine the things that used to be in the four-factor health predictor uh, that was based by, that was built by Josh Kalk. He used to have, um, we used to quote it on this on this uh, podcast all the time. It's, it's down for all now. But, uh, it, it basically used release point consistency, zone percentage, and velocity to, to spot injuries. And I think you could do the same thing uh, if you just put spin rate in and just, just improve it. And I know for a fact that some teams are, are using spin rate this way. So, um, you know, it is uh, kind of a note. Felipe Rivero has lost um, maybe uh, two or three inches on his fastball release in terms of vertical. So um, okay. that could be that could be related to it. Um, but um, hard for to look at a reliever and say, oh, his zone percentage is down. I mean... You don't just you just don't get the same raw number of there, uh, yeah. It's hard to put anything behind that for the yeah. the small samples. The fact that they don't have to really live in the zone to be successful. A lot, yeah. a lot, a lot of challenging factors there. So okay, um, bottom and line, for, who, who yeah. who's really drawing your concern out out of these findings with the uh, drops in spin? Mm, if I anyone, can't. you don't I, have to I make it. I, 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 yeah, I think I'm not going to push this one too hard. I think maybe just Rich Hill, uh, just because you've had now um, a good stretch from him. His overall numbers are good, and if you wanted to swap a little bit of upside for consistency, uh, now might be the time. You know, like if you wanted to give away his his ceiling for some floor, um, I could see that like. Maybe your team is 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 really good, but you want to be sure in the head to head that you like you're you're a first place team, or you just need volume. So you trade Rich Hill for somebody that you just feel you can you can count take on. every turn the rest. Yeah, of the way. yeah. So uh, yeah. So if you need innings more than uh, more than you need, what happens in those innings, or if you or if you're, in, I think it's really a head to head play. 
I think in head-to-head, if you're at all nervous that you'll get to the finals or whatever and Rich Hill won't be there for you, then now is the time to take advantage because he's been healthy for a while, been pitching well, and there's just a little, just a little asterisk on him. Okay. I like that. I think that's that's a useful tip. Um, I know some leagues still have open trade deadlines for the next couple weeks leading into September. All right, you know, let's talk on the biggest exit velo droppers then because I think that's going to be something that's going to offer a lot more uh, actionable items here. So let's talk uh, at the top end here on these biggest exit velo droppers who are some names that are standing out to you, and let's, uh, let's dive in on them. Um, yeah, the exit velo droppers. Now, this is something that uh, a player pretty much confirmed to me that this is a thing, that if you see... If you see a big drop in exit velocity, and the player that pretty much confirmed it for me was Carlos Correa, because I I came up to okay. him at a game and oh, said, yeah. you know, you know, I've noticed that your exit velocity has really dropped. Are you dealing with something? What's going on? You know, is it a function of what this or this or that? And he basically said, well, you know, not everyone knows. I guess you know. <laughs> that uh, we go through, you know, these injuries that don't necessarily take us out of the game, but that we are dealing with, you know, and th- this, these sort of things can show up like that. So I basically... I think that's a huge thing that we don't pay enough attention to, assuming that a guy on the field should be near 100%. And, I mean, they can, they can play it like an 80% clip, which is which is pr- pretty muted. Yeah, and if you... If you put, um, if you especially if you're playing DFS, I think this is hugely important because DFS mm-hmm. is really important in small samples. And you know, Justin Bohr, uh, you know, had this ankle injury he was dealing with, right? Um, is that is that did I have that right, or did he just come back from it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he his his exit velocity is down seven miles an hour. That's number one among guys who had fifty uh, events in the first and second half. So, he came back and then had a, an oblique, so, yeah. um, so he didn't even last long upon return. And yeah, so like if it's definitely also one of those things that you can look at once they return. Fastball velocity, for example, a player coming off the DL, uh, two or three starts, tells you almost everything you need to know about their fastball velocity the rest of the season. I think this is a hitter's fastball velocity. Justin Bohr comes back. He tells us basically with his bat that he's not 100%. So, you know, then you've got some other guys who you would totally not be surprised if they were hurt, which is Ronald Torres, Francisco Cervelli, Russell Martin. You know, the the production hasn't necessarily been there, and their catchers, Torres is playing more than he has before, I think. So, um, you know, between those things and the fact that Torres has always been a light hitter, I would, uh, you know, I think those are meaningful. But right there in the middle are some names that I find very interesting. Um, Jock Peterson, Miguel Sano, J.D. Martinez, and Miguel Cabrera have all lost more than four miles an hour off of their exit velocity. So I don't know if maybe that, uh, you know, the the big adjustment came to the Detroit StatCast gun and they they figured that out and all of a sudden we all can actually see because we talked about how the D- the Detroit gun might be a little bit hot. Yeah, because they were having all these uh, big exit velo numbers, and, and the production just wasn't there. So you're looking at these – you're kind of like having these makeshift lists of guys who could 
have a surge based on their batted ball profile versus their numbers. And it was like Miggy, Castellanos, uh, Avila, and J.D. Martinez. And it's like, okay, all these Tigers? Wait, what, what's going on here? So there might be a little something to their gun being a little bit hot there. Obviously, um, Avila and Martinez did come through, as did Castellanos. But I still think that the, the, the numbers uh, just stand out a little bit because – Detroit is a difficult park in center field, but it's not like the most obscene park. I don't know. It just seemed like a weird confluence of events. And so, yeah, we were having a discussion actually at the Fangrass uh, meetup uh, when we first got into Boston about that. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, and, and, and ex- Alex Avila just didn't have enough sample, but he was like one of the top, very top ones. Um, so Alex Avila and J.D. Martinez get traded out of Detroit and all of a sudden lose all these miles per hour. You hmm. know, exactly. So... That, um, I don't know if it's necessarily a fault of J.D. Martinez himself, but remember, he also got hit on the hand. Yes, um, right, right when he started with, right with when the, Although, he's been great with the Diamondbacks, so uh, while uh, he does have the produ- the exit velo drop, the production has still been there. Yeah. And so they're, they're, they're more than happy with his six homers. Uh, no, and, but no batting average, really. Yeah, uh, but just it, a 233 average. He dropped from 93 to 89. 93 is, you know, top of the league, right? And 89 is fine. It's above average. Okay. So, you know, maybe he had a juiced up uh, Detroit, you know, Detroit stat cast 93, right? And maybe his 89, I think Arizona is actually on the lower side. So maybe his 89 is a 90. So, you know, I think that he's probably himself hasn't changed. But the most interesting ones to me are the ones that stayed in one place, aren't catchers, and... <laughs> are people that we expect something out of. Jock Peterson and Sano. Miguel Sano yeah, is going to be, I think, the focus of my piece. Um, he's been hit twice this month in the same hand. And, oh, wow. And it happened like two, three days ago. I think between those two, he probably saw a precipitous drop. I have not yet graphed his, his well, you know what, there's a page. I can go to it. But but at the same time, like I just know from these numbers that he's seen a big drop in his exit velocity. And, you know, I don't know if this explains his entire second half swoon. Um, you know, he was also, you know, like J.D. Martinez was, was in the upper reaches of exit velocity. He was averaging 94.8. And 94.8 is basically where Ioannis Cespedes was when he came, uh, when he came to New York the first time. Oh, yeah, when he was just out of his mind and at, um, yeah and at 95 basically there is no bad batted ball <laughs> like at 95 everyone would always say launch angle matters at 95 it almost doesn't there's no a, because even the ground balls are going to be difficult to play exactly they're smoked so uh Sano was uh at the very top and i you know do we know about the sustainability on the very edges of exit velocity maybe that's still part of a player being hot you know um we do know for example that uh that players that, that the exit velocities are different at different parts of the zone right so mm-hmm. you know maybe pitchers were pitching him a certain way so he could take advantage of that and average 95 and then pitchers stepped off of throwing it in that area and so he naturally regressed so it's still it's still a luck factor even though he hit it that hard you know what i mean like it's there's so much of an interaction between plate discipline and exit velocity that we can't just say, oh, dude hits it hard, he's going to be fine, you know? Um, and while Sano does strike out a lot, 
He also walks a ton, so he knows what he's doing up there. Um, you mentioned his his performance since in the second half, 241 average, uh, 315 OBP, 430 slug. So he's you know, struggling a little bit for sure. Four homers. Uh, did you? <laughs> I don't want to really feed into it, but uh, on a case by case, it can happen. Did you like group the home run derby guys and see if they had any sort of? No, I'm not big drop as, as a group. I don't want to write that piece. <laughs> I just don't want to write it. It's, it's not my piece I'm looking to write. I, I, I think I'm going to look at this interaction oh, between, uh, between, you know, plate selectivity and what balls you're hitting and then also and health because um, I think that's that's a big part of uh, what I'll find. Because, you know, if you're as hot as Miguel Sano, and, and I don't necessarily believe in in, plate prote- in, in lineup protection – but at the same time, mm-hmm. if you're obviously the very best hitter on a team, I think the scouting report and all the energy from the other team in terms of what do we do today is going to be, how do we get Miguel Sano out? Directed yeah. at you. And so, yeah, you know, absolutely. maybe it's not about protection when they're on the field. Maybe it's more like, did they, did the pitcher and catcher have a meeting about just me? And if you're Max Kepler and you're humming along at 240 with okay OBP, you know, maybe they just say, oh, Kepler doesn't like it here. And maybe they didn't really look at what happened in the last month or that you made an adjustment or whatever. So then you can kind of get better and, and they're not paying attention to you. And all of a sudden they're like, whoa, Max Kepler is hot. You know, let's whoa, really – let's Now we, we got to yeah, focus no, let's on look at this. Let's look a little bit closer in the, at these papers. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of the – winnowing down of your attention span comes from the catcher who has to come to to the plate to the to the has to come to the game every day and be ready to hit so he has to know about the opposing pitchers he may need to know know about more than one opposing pitcher he needs to know about all of his pitchers that day uh as well their game plans and so you know in some ways the catcher that day is the limiting factor so you know if you're Yasmani Grandal and you can't keep a lot of ideas in your head, which I'm sorry, that's a little rude, but he's 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 that kind of guy. Uh, then, and you, have you've never noticed he has an actual thing on his arm that uh, that that sort of tells him what to call, like a cor- yeah, like a he has a, wrist yeah, 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 sort of and it's yeah. sort of amazing. I can't believe as a hitter you wouldn't just like peek down and be like, oh. Oh, so that's what you're going to do? Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, let, let, let's talk about uh, Grandal's teammate, Jock Peterson, who you also mentioned here. Now, not at, not at the same peak uh, of a uh, of a Miguel Sano, so the, the impact, even as he's come down for Peterson, isn't felt as much. But at the same time, you're looking at his last 20 games, 140, 259, 320, triple slash. That's not good. I, I'm just going to yeah. say it. You know, I, I don't want to be too harsh, but that's not good. A 579 OPS. I'm just kidding. Obviously, it's terrible. But, Two homers, one stolen base with it, and his exit velo is is down substantially. And the weird part was, like he can't. He was gone. Like he was hurt, and uh, so you see a dip in exit velocity before he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Then he came back, and there was a big rise. I remember he was hot for a while. Oh, he had a huge back. surge in June when Jock yeah. Peterson got off the DL. Yeah, right, right away he hit the ground running, and now he's back to uh, to terrible again. And his graph actually looks more so. So knows, so I mean, you have to go to Baseball Savant and find these player pages because sometimes it's just really obvious. Because you look at Sano's, what you see is he was at ninety-five and he went back down to ninety. So it's just a little bit more like, uh, oh, he was on fire, fire, and now he, you know he was. It's like JD and Fuego. Yeah, like you yeah, said, he, he went from he elite to still very to, good, to pretty good. Whereas if you look at Jock Peterson's. He's humming along at ninety ninety one, and then 
boom. I mean, it's pretty amazing. You should maybe link to this chart or, or see if you can grab it and put it on, the, on the post. Because Peterson in the last... Because you had this 50 batting bad ball rolling average exit velocity on the player pages on Baseball Savant, and he just, boo! I mean, it's it's it looks like it's 85 in the last 50 balls. So he's dealing with something. I, you know, we we have to pay attention to every team every time. So uh, we don't necessarily know each thing, but we know that he wasn't in the lineup recently, and that uh, he's playing pretty poorly, and that that hot streak is gone. So you know, it wouldn't be surprising if. He takes a 15-day break again soon, so I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is, um, but uh, something something there is um, something bad with with Jock Peterson. See, cutting yeah. Jock Peterson in uh, in all mixed leagues or ten, yes, twelve, yes, twelve OBP might hold a little bit longer. I mean, okay. he's not. He's still got a nice OBP. And then fifteen uh, hold. Fifteen. A hold for more news. I mean, it might be a situation where you'd like him to go on the DL so you can put him on so the DL and the, keep the, him around. The, yeah, keep the bat uh, and DL him that way. I mean, yeah, you never wish for injuries, but if somebody's hurt, you're almost like, please go on the DL, dude. I want to just keep you around. But yeah. you might have to make the tough choice with Jock Peterson. Uh, any other names? Uh, you talked about Cabrera. What? What's what's your take on Miguel Cabrera's season, right? Because we hear all the stuff about the batted ball profile still being there, so the numbers should come. But then you talk about Detroit's hot gun. He's 34 years old. Injuries seem to be piling up. He's another great example of a guy who is playing, but I don't think he's anywhere near 100. percent So what's what's your make on uh, Miguel Cabrera's season and how you're valuing him going forward? You know, uh, I. I've been watching him more and more ever since I I watched him and wrote about that piece and was like, yeah, he's he's the very least not himself. Um, I and I'm trying to just figure out how much is left, you know, and um, he's the very least not himself mentally, right? Like he'll take pitches that he should hit and flail that at is, terrible pitches. Yes, yeah, so that part is difficult to understand. Um, and it, that's not necessarily like a physical thing, but it doesn't mean that a, like a physical dropping off didn't lead to it. Uh, well, and even even within a given at bat, if if he's not physically right with his base to get his power, and he just misses the the fastball on two zero, and now he's two one gets in the two two count and then flails at a terrible slider on two two, and he strikes out. You're like, well, you know, indirectly the fact that he he doesn't have his base for power led to that strikeout for Miguel Cabrera. And I do think we are seeing some some of these things start to stack on each other, these chains uh, where he's taken bad at bats that you just don't expect from Miggy. Um, it's been tough. It's been tough to watch because you see, you see glimpses. And as a Tigers fan, I get excited. I'm like, okay, here we go. And it's never that full takeoff. Yeah. Um, you know, they, and it's with that Detroit thing, it's like hard to know, you know, how much, um, to buy into the exit loss. Yeah, numbers. because you don't know how much Detroit's screwing it up. And, uh, you know, he uh, he uh, also, like, he, he's 26th in estimated swing speed on Baseball Savant, which, you know, like, he's right next to Chad Pinder and right ahead of Bryce Harper, which you'd be like, okay, that's that's pretty decent, you know. That's good. That's but good. again, Detroit, you know, what is going on? So 
He's got a career high line drive rate at 28%. Yeah, I have a feeling that I have a feeling there's is a twofold thing. That one is physical. There is something physical with him. And then the two is mental as in this is probably one of the harder seasons for him in terms of, you know, the team is is not good. And yeah. and it's not good in a way that's not it's not good in a way where you can just be like, oh, we'll be good next year. You know, like, oh, Verlander went down. Going to be. It's not like you can just say, oh, Verlander went down and Fulmer went down, and so we're going to be good next year when they're healthy. It's more like, uh-oh, this this team is, I'm kind of screwed, and this team is screwed. And, it, it, like, yeah, the kind of, the beginning right, the this end. is the kind of stuff that can lead to existential, you know, thoughts at the plate instead of, you know, I'm going to dominate and I'm just about to take this guy deep. So, um you know, it's a yeah, and the, he's thinking like, will Verlander even be here next for his next start? Let right. alone, you know, getting him back next year at 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 a hundred percent or whatever. So, I, I can totally understand that too. I, I don't think that that's out of bounds to suggest for for Miguel Cabrera. So, uh, next year, like, what what what's your early thinking right now? Obviously, there's still two months where he could do do well enough to where you're like, okay, breathe a sigh of relief. We saw real Miggy for two months. Uh, everything's as normal, bounce him down a little bit for being 35. But let's assume he kind of stays more on this trajectory and finishes. Maybe he has a little little flourish and finishes with like a, a 108, 110 sort of WRC plus. He's at 102 right now. Then what's what's uh, what's your outlook like for Miguel Cabrera for next Albert, year? Albert Pujols this year? Like, ah, oh, geez. So accurate. I mean, he just... I mean, if he stays it's like, like this... It's like a deep like, league first baseman that... That yeah. maybe I mean yeah. it could be a value where you buy him for five to ten bucks, and he has you know Albert Pujols. If you look back at Albert Pujols, he's not been very good for a while, but he's also he's had good fantasy seasons. Well, yeah, because the power's still been there, and he you know he's right. still and clubbing you enough homers, and especially before the homers became so prevalent, his forty in twenty fifteen that was nice. So I'll take I'll take forty. Right, and that came and that came after he hit two fifty eight with seventeen homers in twenty thirteen, and we all thought yep. he was done. So I think we are going to see some up and down in Miguel Cabrera's end of his career that'll look a little bit like that, where, you know, next year he could, Miguel Cabrera could hit, you know, 250 with 28 homers or something, you know, or, or, or something that will would be value based on where he will be drafted. So it's still a definite possibility for value. But at the same time, like I'm, I'm more and more convinced that that top end, um, that we thought was there, like going into the season, like I'm, oh, you know, that, that's that's the most difficult him. part. Is so that, good last year, and he ha- and he hasn't been bad. Like there's no no sign of this nope. coming. I mean, he was three hundreds with great. Even the bad year in 2015 was three thirty eight with the eighteen homers. So, you know, I, I don't like even the projections right now that have him basically. If you took his projections and made him a full year player. He would be a 300 hitter with you know 28 homers. Yeah, I like. I don't know. That's what all the projections have because they're going off of what he's done. And Miguel Cabrera's never been bad. This is his first legitimately yeah. like underperforming season. So. I think the only thing that would change my mind is if uh, uh, they like he reveals an injury. Yeah, and says I played through this leg through we, May and then uh, an elbow until, you know, I'm just saying like, we know has, some of that's true, right? Like we know he oh, hasn't yeah. been dealing with stuff. Yeah. yeah he's but, come out but with he, stuff but, for a game here. Right and there. now the exit velocity is in the tank again. And he had, we haven't heard of anything new. So 
but the team is 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 tanking. So I, I if I think this is a high probability too. In the next week or so, he'll he'll reveal something and and sit for a while. So um, if that is, it's almost a good thing. We can say okay, maybe he can get that fixed. Maybe next year a projection for me next year would like on the on the back of a uh, napkin would be like two eighty twenty two eighty twenty. Yeah. You know, low twenties. In which case, I think that's that's Pujolsian. I mean, it's not the exact same shape as Pujols. It's the bottom line value you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's uh it's not a top five first baseman. I mean, two eighty, twenty two. I mean, I feel like you. That's not very far from Justin Bohr's projection for next. Well, year. especially if some of these guys that broke out this year stick, which yeah, oh we just got God. Reese Hoskins. So like you know, Reese Hoskins is going to be in the big leagues next year, and we're just we're going to get information from him for the next four to six weeks. And there's a, a good chance that Reese Hoskins can do like 250, 38, you know, 250, 35. He's got crazy power. He's got crazy power. Yeah, so, um, you know. All right, so th- th- this kind of works as, as a nice little segue, though, because I want to talk about some other. Uh, it's a little bit different because we're talking about a guy who's failing in 2017, how he's going to look in 2018. I want to talk about some of the guys who've, who've broken out and, and how you view them going forward uh, for next year. If you're fully buying in or if you have some uh, trepidation with them, let's start with kind of a, an easy one, a layup, a guy that we really like. I just want to get your thoughts, maybe see if you have an, a, a round ballparked on where you're going to take Cody Bellinger, where you're willing to take him. Next year, obviously, it's going to be an early round pick. I imagine the first three rounds, four rounds at the latest, I would think. Uh, but how do you feel about Cody Bellinger after what we've seen through 93 games and, and your outlook for 2018 on the, on the 22-year-old first base outfielder? I I am I think there's maybe one more gear left. I think that uh this is this, it's it's possible that he's uh coming on his peak even though he's 22, 23 that there's definitely he's, t- he's 21. That's Well, he just turned 20, 22 this month, yeah. Uh, uh right, yeah, yeah. Age 21. But so season. uh Gosh. Jeff Zimmerman did do some research that found that, you know, post PED there was some some um some evidence that there was no going up, you know, that it was just sort of you peak, you, you debut, peak, yeah, plateau, you, and then go down. You kind of start at it. Um, so that there is a possibility yeah. this is one of his best seasons. However, I, I think there might be one more gear when it comes to contact. I mean, I think he has an, a good natural hit tool. To, to have the uppercut swing that he has, to have a 350 isolated second percentage, which is just amazing – to Jesus. be able to really be in the con- in the in the conversation for a 50 home run season um and to have a 26% strikeout rate i think all those things are impressive in today's game and uh, if the old aging curves are right then there could be some improvement in the strikeout rate so um i think he also chips yeah. in some speed he has seven stolen bases cody bellinger does in 389 plate appearances that's a good so, way to improve I mean, your batting average on balls in play which at 280 is not He's not, he's, you know, he had, he had a, I don't know, he had some, he, he had, in, in AAA this year, it was 450, that's a small sample, but he had 380, he had 380, crazy. like he had some high BABIPs, not not all well, high BABIPs, but. Well, because he crushes the ball too, right. and I mean, so what happens know, in this season, doesn't count homers. Right, so what happens in the season where he has a 330 BABIP uh, and a 24% strikeout rate? Damn, then you're talking like 345 homers. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say 290, 45, 15. Yeah. You could see you could see the big the big speed spike too. Like I I don't rule out 
some double digit Paul Goldschmidt esque yeah. sort of things for Cody Bellinger. I, I'm I'm pretty geeked on him. Here's the thing: you got to remember, you got to remember the other side though. Prospect growth isn't linear either. Mm-hmm. And while the general curve says you come in at peak, go down. If he if he fits that, then then he's going to go down. Well, right? Yeah, and just, you know, and it, just look at Jock too. I mean, Jock came exactly. in like Jock came in was supposed to be the very best, was pretty good, and you thought, well, there's going to be another gear here, right? He's going to figure out lefties or, um, you know, just strike out a little bit less. The kind of things I'm just saying right now about Bellinger. And he was like, then, I don't think so, too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, you, there's still next year for Jock to, to come back. and um... No, stop. <laughs> Kobe Rasmus, 2.0. Well, Kobe Rasmus, had value 0.5. 0. 0.5, because 2.0 implies better. Oh. and. I'm not sure that Jock better. Listen, I'm going to stand by Jock. Uh, I'm a fan, was, yeah. but I've I've amended my my thoughts on his ceiling. But okay, there, so was, a, there was a rumor that an, an evaluator the Dodgers evaluator with the Dodgers thought that uh, Cody Bellinger was the best defensive center fielder on the squad right now. Wow, I think that's probably the only weakness on the Dodgers. We heard we heard by the way in Arizona Fall League that he was. Plenty capable of playing center field in the major leagues. Yeah, I think it says a little bit more about the personnel they have. I mean, I don't think Kike's of course Kike's not because in the he's not a center fielder, and I think Jock's probably been hurt a lot this year. Yeah, uh, Puig uh, has maybe the no. physical tools, but um, not the routes. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, Bellinger, which which what round do you think you're you're comfortable taking him in? If assuming he stays kind of on the trajectory that we've seen this year, he's a first rounder. I mean, I think maybe you take Goldie ahead of him, but if you like Goldie, I don't know why you don't you, why you don't think that uh, Bellinger is the first. Uh, yeah, rounder. I'm I'm in on the Goldie comp, but you have to take Goldie first. You have to. Well, just he's because got the he's pelts on the wall. For, yeah, and yes, and, and because he's proven average. it for like six years. Yes, yeah. that 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 is yeah. enough to to sway me. But then and you I'll have to remember, Bellinger. like you have to be like remember Miguel Cabrera proven it forever. You know, it's a little bit early, probably on Goldie to start saying that. But um, you know, uh, yeah, next year, uh, do we want to do like? I'm a, intrigued by that, man. Wanna... You said Bellinger first. Off. No, 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 we're saving that. No, no, no. We have no, too much off season. Going. That's that's coming. Oops. That'll be too yeah. much off season. We have, we still have September. Yeah, Don't yeah, forget, yeah. we have to do podcasts in September and October. Don't be trying to do a 2018 first round round on me out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I I I was gonna do either or with every one of these guys we're gonna talk about, but you just kind of did the whole Goldschmidt thing, and you're putting him in the first round. There's not much to to go off of then because you're saying that Cody Bellinger's uh, a possible top of the heap first uh, first baseman like he could be the top guy there and the fact that he has outfield too really opens you up so you could take him in the first round and then if if a first baseman falls to you that you love boom you just slot him in the outfield so yeah this show is very hyped on on cody bellinger um you can you can book that i want to jump to a different level here for sure because i really don't know what to make of this guy and i'm curious your thoughts on two hit wit two will it to too legit to admit. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go that. punch myself. Um, Whit Merrifield. No. You're like, I don't think so. No. Yeah, that's two today. Let's go. I don't think so on um, that, too. Whit Merrifield, 28 years old, out of his mind. I'm ignoring you. 300 average, 13 homers, 19 stolen bases, 19 for 21, by the way. So super efficient. This dude's been awesome. And, like, I didn't buy it when he first came up. He got a, he had a nice little hot uh, hit streak, and I was just like, okay, cool. Cool Babbitt, dog. 
And um, I kind of just was letting him do his thing and not really paying much attention to Whit Merrifield. He has continued like since that. I think it was like a 16 game hit streak. I'm not going to count it out, but it, it was a really good hit streak. But since then, throw that out. Uh, 54 games, 303 average, seven homers, 13 stolen bases. He's, he's done like the bulk of his work since that little streak. There. That's, that's over the last two months, by the way. Is this guy legit? Is he too little wit? And um, are you buying Whit Merrifield for next year? Okay, so I feel like he, he, someone asked me in my chat today if if I think he's a five tool player, and I think that's actually a very interesting way to to, to tackle the question because if he is, then uh, he's legit, and you have to buy him. Okay, and and it also offers you a sort of way to kind of break him up as a player honest, and, and yeah. look at the, the pieces a little bit. And uh, so what I think. Uh, let's do the first one that's the easiest. I think speed. So when it comes to speed, uh, he's always been super high efficiency base dealer. I mean, if you, you look up and down uh, his minor league record, he's got uh, always the sort of, he's like a 20 and three guy, you know, where he'll, he'll steal 20 bases and, and, and he literally, <clears throat> I was loading his page because Fangraphs taking a little bit today for me. But tw- in 2016, AAA, Stole 20, stolen, and caught twice. That's, you know, literally a 20 and 3 guy. And he's been doing it up and down. I mean, there's one year in triple. The first time he hit triple A, some That's journeyman crazy. catchers caught him, I guess. But then he learned from it. And the next year was 32 and 9. So, and it's not uh, the kind of guy who is a slugger, steals 50 in A ball, and never steals any again. You know, it's, it's, he's stolen bases at every level. It's been a part of his game. I believe it. Book it at least a 2025 guy next year. So that part. Yep. With Merrifield speed, so, we hit believe. tool, hit tool. I normally look at contact rate and strikeout rate and power. It's a, a little bit of each. So you, you know, I don't necessarily think you can have a plus hit tool and have like a, you know, an ISO that begins with zero. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't. Exactly. Or even one that's like under like one. I think you want to have average. I think you, you want to have, have like average power punch. and, 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 and that's why I'm separating power out still, but power is still part of hit tool. So hit tool, you think you want to have at least average power. Yes. Even his projections for 130 ISO, which I think are low, we'll get to that in a second. So 130 ISO plus, um, you know, contact rate 7.7, very good. League average is now 10 or something. Uh, his current strike rate is 13. His projected is 16. League average is like 21. So okay, we're giving him hit tool, at least above average, if not plus. So already there, you're you've got an interesting character with, because those are two tools that are not necessarily as uh, super like not as available, you know. Uh, yep, and they're not and they're not as heralded yeah, as in fantasy right, right now. So I think that already makes him draftable. That already makes him a top twelve, top fifteen guy to me. Um, and then the big question is: right, we did hit, we did speed. I mean, glove, yeah, good enough. Um, yeah, good enough to play yeah, second base regularly yeah, I, on that I, team. I haven't heard anything bad about it really, and um, and if you look at metrics, he gets positives. Like I, I'm not going to sit here and try to say I know anything about Whit Merrifield's yeah. defense, but you kind of look at what the values the, on our site. What are the and, five? Then we got hit. We got um, speed, glove, um, power, and what? Defense, uh, power, and hit for average, speed, hit for power. Arm. Oh, arm. Uh, irrelevant. Which doesn't yeah. matter. So I guess we're talking base. about four. So give him a plus, so the plus, big question plus, is, plus the, big, the big question is power. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think that I look at him and I see 
like a, a thing that is very difficult to evaluate right now, which is the guy who comes up and has good power. But I also see a guy who hits more fly balls than ground balls. And that's been something that I've been uh, fixated upon. If I'm trying to look at a guy who had iffy power in the minor leagues, but still, like we talked about this with Ahmed Rosario and with Ozzy Albies, um, you know, I want to see more fly balls than ground balls. And Ahmed Rosario came up with the 50% ground ball situation. He may not show much power. Ozzy Albies came up with the 40% fly ball situation, and he's showing some power. And Whit Merrifield is more Ozzy Albies. He's not a 50% ground ball guy. He was at some point, but he's gradually... Even last year, it was, it was 45% ground balls with the, with the Royals. And, you know, he had some, some batting average, a little speed to go with it. This year, he's gotten the ball in the air. And, and the power's been there with a 187 yeah, ISO. 410 plate appearances in, switched his ground ball fly ball in the minors. He was only there for a little bit, but he still hit a lot of fly balls. So I believe that uh, he's reading the newspapers. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's old. He's reading. He wasn't reading newspapers for. <laughs> no, I mean, like, he's reading fangrounds. He's like, I reading, know. he's reading about the launch angle. <laughs> Where's my USA today? Yeah. Eric stolen again. <laughs> And then Eric Hosmer calling Witt a nerd. It's like, here you go, you nerd. Anyway. I read the purple section already. So, I mean, his if you took his projections right now and, and put them out over a season, he'd be a 270 hitter with six home runs and 20 stolen bases. I, I just, I'm, I, nope, I don't believe that. I'm going to give him uh, sort of back a napkin, 280. 1825. That's really nice at second base. And he's four games away from getting outfield to carry over for next year, too. 20 games. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think it's a really valuable player. And with the 25 stolen bases, that's better than, than 25 homers. Yeah, so you're really talking. It, it gives yeah, you leeway yeah. on the homers, right? Say he comes up on the short yeah. end of that. Uh, you know, you could say it could be 11, right? You could lop off seven. And so then he's got 11 homers, 25 stolen bases. Oh, so like, so, so poor you. You got to go out and find home runs on the, the Bingo. wire. Which you, is like you'll find a seven, eight, eight makeup homers. Uh, you're not yeah. going to find makeup stolen bases. So that's one thing that's really driving me with with Merrifield is that stolen base success rate. Um, you know, kind of keeping a strong floor on his value for next year. Uh, he will be age 29, but I mean, he, he he's at the peak of his powers right now, and I've been really impressed with what Merrifield's done this year. I'm curious. I, I feel like you're probably super happy that you weren't on the episode that I titled Wits Too Legit to Sit. That's, no, stop. It's pretty stop. good, right? It hurts my brain. Oh, never mind then. <laughs> uh, we ta- You talked about this a little bit. You, you've, you've mentioned this little uh, idea about when guys are in the minors and they come up that you're adding power, right, to, to kind of their minor league number. Do you have any sort of gauge on that? Because he was like a 130, 135 ISO guy in the minors, and this year he's up at 187. Do you kind of settle wit in like a 165-ish sort of ISO? That's, that's like a – I don't know if you would do like a well, raw total or like say 25% to their ISO like – it's, is it just a feel thing? I, I, I think it needs it needs more research. It needs its feel because uh, because there are two competing things going on. One is you're facing harder competition, so your ISO would necessarily go sure. down. 
So, you know, you would normally, like, I think you would normally look at, look at Whit Merrifield's AAA in 2016. He was uh, 26 years old and um, uh, repeating AAA for the third time and finally showed a 157 ISO. Um, I think your projections for him going into the season would be for like a, like a 100 ISO, you know, which is kind of what he did. He came in and 109 he for yeah. 100 ISO. Yeah, that's right? exactly what he did. But, you know, but he didn't also, he didn't have the same batted ball mix in the majors as he did in the minors. He kind of flipped it. So, you know, that was his first attempt at the big leagues. And, uh, and so now projection systems are like, well, now he's a 28 year old. There's no upside. He's not growing in terms of power because of aging curves. And so they're going to say, no, no, he's still like a no power guy. However, he's showing the batted ball mix that he showed when he was in AAA when he had his best power season. And then you have to add the fact that the ball is now different in the major leagues. It's always been different in the major leagues than the minor leagues, but now it's better. Yeah, it's, it's a plus yeah. negative. Or it's a plus difference so. for you. Uh, okay, so that's what Merrifield. We're pretty much uh, bought in there. I, I, I don't think I'm as, as high on him as you, but I'm, I'm with you that there's, there's a strong floor, and I'm definitely going to draft him. Based on the numbers you gave, that's a single-digit sort of round guy. I don't think that the market is going to overinflate him though, so I feel like you can probably get him yeah. between like rounds eight and eleven, right? I did say single digit with the projection. Yeah. I think you're going to be able to get him in double digit rounds in in a lot of leagues, and that I imagine that's somebody that you're going to have on a lot of teams, um, unless something happens in the winter where a bunch of people prop him up. I feel like you're going to get a lot of shares of Whit Merrifield next year. Do you agree? Yeah, and I think it would be a really interesting situation. And we were talking about rooting for Ozzy Albies to 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 struggle. Yes, I think a really interesting inter- situation. I mean, he he's hitting for power. I like his batted ball mix, Ozzy Albies. Mm. I like his his contact rate. I would love to go into next season in a fifteen team league with Ozzy Albies and Whit Merrifield as my you know two B and half of my MI. I'd have I'd have to have one more guy. Um, yeah, your first round pick. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I'd have to have one more guy that I could depend on, maybe one more on the bench. But that as like a as like a plan for one slot, Albies and Merrifield, I bought floor and I bought ceiling, and I probably didn't buy either before the tenth round. You got silly speed. So that, that and I got that yeah, nice. yeah, both of those and if both hit, you're talking about fifty, sixty stolen yeah, bases. Exactly. I mean you know, and if you and let's say you, you can't you can't you can't project that and you can't depend on that. But you probably could project and depend on thirty or forty stolen bases from the two of them, and uh, and if that was your 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 two B and your MI, uh, worst case scenario, you're looking for an MI later on to you know to because Whit got sent down, mm-hmm. but you didn't spend that much. That's the thing know? too. You're 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 not investing a lot to try to get that uh, to try to get that upside. Uh, all right, you know I want to move on to Travis Shaw, who's having a fantastic season with Milwaukee. Um, in 428 plate appearances, he has 25 homers, 75 ribbies, nine stolen bases. He was five for six last year and goes over to a team that's that's open to running. Now he's nine for nine with them, and he's hitting 290. Great breakout season for, for Travis Shaw. How much are you believing it uh, for next year? It's a really weird situation with him because he's actually said that part of his breakout was due to you know finding his ground ball stroke, and he, and he, he has actually flipped – this we we're just talking about ground balls for fly balls. He's flipped it the other Complete. way where he used to, you know, hit 35% ground balls, 45% fly balls. And now he's hitting 45% ground balls, 35% fly balls. But 
The quality of his five laws has increased. Also, the park that he's in, I think, is probably helping him more mm -hmm. than it did in the past. I talked to him about, you know, he had this stroke that could hit the wall in 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 Boston. You know, he could he could hit the the Green Monster, and he he liked hitting in Boston. And he had those crazy home away splits. Crazy home away splits. Yeah. And and he said, "Well, I've I've fashioned a swing that, you know, that that works here." And, uh, you know, maybe he's just fashioned a swing that's, that's worked in Milwaukee. I mean, and he's in a better park for it. So well, that right field is so treacherous on lefties in Fenway that you almost have to tailor it unless you've just got top of the heap power like David Ortiz. And they say, you know, I'm not worried about that, that right field. So yeah, I mean, he's, he's been really sharp, um, little, at, little additions to his walk rate, little, little drop and strikeout rate, nothing crazy there on, on that I mix. Think but, I think maybe more significant even than the ground ball fly ball is that he went he added to his pull percentage big time. But, you know because in, in in Fenway if he pulled it and he pulled it down the power alley that's that was the biggest part of Fenway mm -hmm. and that's that that weird triangle out there where you know Mookie's running past the cop you know yeah <laughs> Austin, and, uh, where Austin Jackson and and Jackie Bradley Jr. are making killer catches. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so now when he pulls it, it's uh, you know into the Brewer's slide or whatever. So you know it's uh, I think it's uh, better for power generally to to hit that way. And so yeah, maybe it looks like it's because of his ground ball stroke, and maybe mechanically that makes sense for him. But I think probably the biggest part of it is he's he's pulling more balls in the check, air. Check you know. this, you know, um, Miller Park for left-handed homers has a one twenty-six mm -hmm. park value. So that's twenty six percent above uh, league average, and Fenway has an eighty two. So and I forgot. I just forgot a conversation that that I had with Jed Lowry, where he said I've come up in the worst places to hit as a lefty power hitter in Boston, Boston and and, uh, and and Oakland. Oakland, yeah. And he actually told me I, I'm hoping to get traded to Milwaukee. Man, he would be he'd be a nice fit for that team too. I was like, he could hit 25 homers in, right? in, in Milwaukee. Especially now that he's, he's got some health and, and bouncing yeah. around for that team. But I think uh, maybe the emergence of um, Orlando Garcia really kind of having a, a second-half surge, maybe they maybe they just weren't interested. Although they're still trotting out Eric Sogard there with too much I'm really, I'm really kind of surprised. Once he said that, I was surprised. Because he said that as if he'd heard the rumor somewhere, right? but it wasn't, it, wasn't a pop, it wasn't a pop of the rumor. It wasn't out there. So I was kind of like, I think he just told me something that people don't know. Let's start that rumor. Well, be trader, yeah, but he, it said it. he said it. He said it somewhere. So it, it was uh, it was an interesting thing for him to say. I think you know, with Oakland, it's still a possibility uh, in the next couple of weeks if someone gets hurt or if they finally give up on Villar. But yeah, exactly. Oh, who's yeah. the other guy? Aaron Perez, Eric Sogard. They they're 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 starting Sogard ahead of him. I think yeah, right now. Yeah, it's pretty. It's been pretty bad. Um, but uh, so Shaw, I, I would rather have Jed Lowry than Eric Sogard. I think. Oh yeah, like I said, Shaw has some health. I mean, um, but anyway, Lowry Shaw back health. to Shaw. Yeah, so Shaw. Shaw the I the question I, here is, do you buy the average? Because I think the power is going to be there in that park, and I even like the speed to kind of be that chip in that you're getting from a power guy. And you know, he's going to probably end up with like twelve this year or something like that. It's going to be in that in that five to twelve range. That's a pretty big range, but that's how stolen bases are with these chip in guys. They'll give you a five, they'll give you a two one year, and they'll do fourteen the next. So I, I think that you can expect a little something, but nothing crazy. What about that two ninety average? Can that stay for Travis Shaw? Two seventy five, two eighty. I'll take that I though, because he had two forty two last year. Yeah, and I think I would 
full year projection for next year, I think I would I I have I think I'd actually have a hard time pushing him past thirty. First of all, he hasn't done thirty yet this year, and then I would look at that ground ball rate and say, hmm. So I think my projection would be something like a 280-28 or 280-27. Uh, that I think that's actually an interesting place to fall because this is the same thing that I thought Justin Turner would do this year. And, Way to go uh, on that one, idiot. I know. I mean, w- what the hell is Justin Turner doing? It's so oh, weird. by the way, something I heard. Oh, I can't remember where I heard it. I hate when that happens because I want to give credit because this is not something that I've scooped or, or found or anything. Mm. But apparently... Um, Chris Taylor said he wanted to emulate Justin Turner. Oh, and and, and you look know, at their so, Mavis. They're they're hitting the ball, the snow right? Out of the ball. And and look at look at the breakout he's having now. It's not the same sort of skill set like twenty seven percent strikeout rate for Chris Taylor, but the fact that 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 was kind of his plan was to say, you know what, I, I've I've had issues. I haven't panned well, out Turner. the way I was supposed to, and and then boom. He busts out with yeah, Turner it's, on his it's team. Similar, and, and Turner is a proselytizer. I mean, he has a whole thing. His thing is to go get the ball. And and actually, the hitting coordinator Andy Haynes for the Chicago Cubs, he told me that the best contact that's made is made out in front of the plate. Now that's you know you could call that pulling the ball, but it's not necessarily about pulling the ball. It's it's about going and getting the ball and being aggressive because Justin Turner doesn't even actually have a high pull rate. Well, Taylor's doing that. I mean, so if that if that's the main bottom line of go get the ball, yeah, Taylor's going to get the ball. But anyway, I didn't mean to I didn't mean to bring him no, up. No, but so um, going into the season, what did you think of Turner? Because Turner is thirty two and like a twenty two eighty twenty eight guy. So this was the year I, I, I bought in is... um, on Turner. So I, I was I was hoping that I, I thought the power was pretty real. So I, you know, kind of like what he did last year though two seventy five twenty five to thirty. Uh-huh. No, nothing crazy, but I. And then he cut his strikeout rate in half. Yeah, he he oh, cut man. it from seventeen percent to ten percent. Amped his walk rate from eight to twelve percent. And Justin Turner has been absolutely out of his mind. Um, I, I see what you're saying about you know kind of with the comparisons to Shaw. The the numbers that you have for Shaw, you're you're kind of mid upper twenties, two seventy five. There's a big cluster there with the new power that we have in the league. A yeah, lot of guys are doing so... that. The one the the thing that I like though for Shaw and the reason I was in on him this year was because I thought he would get those add on stolen bases, and if he ends yeah. up with twelve against you know another third baseman who has one, that yeah, that can be the difference in value. So I, I I still like Travis Shaw. I think he's a teens round sort of guy. You're not going to have to pay a heavy freight on him, but he's a guy I'll, would, I'll slot in at corner all day long if I if I drafted a stud think, first and third. I think he's at least top twelve third base. Oh, I agree. I agree. I'm just saying. I think it could be. You know, I, we don't want to do the whole rankings thing, but I think he could be, you know, eight, nine, ten in there. Yeah, so. and I just think the the ideal. It's just hard use to push him, him past that. He looks so great right now that you want to be like, oh, he's got to be top five third baseman. But it's a stack position. And Everyone's got power. Year. This is his best you, year. Yeah, is he going to steal ten bases again next year? I doubt we, it. We so. just don't know on that. So, yeah. all right, last one here is Justin Smoke. Um, you know, he's a big big changer this year. Uh, stop sm- striking out as much. I was going to say stop smoking as much. He stopped yeah. smoking. He was smoking two packs a day. It's like, dude, just because your last name is Smoke doesn't mean you need – no, uh, 32% strikeout – 33% last year down to 21% this year. That's the biggest change that you look across his profile, uh, and you see that instantly. The batted ball is pretty much the same. The pull center oppo, a little different. Back up the box a bit more this year, 28% to 36% center. Uh, and it's all come from the oppo, 
went down from 30% to 24% for Justin Smoke, but then uh, everything else pretty much the same. So the big strikeouts there and maybe pull and up the middle as a focus. Do you believe in a, a 30-year-old Justin Smoke breakout? I mean, it's all based on that on that uh, swinging at better pitches. I mean, it's just uh, he's lifting the ball better because he's you know hitting he's hitting better balls he's chasing less he's he's seeking out the right pitches to hit that's not a bad thing to base a breakout off of though no but But is it repeatable are you concerned that he falls back into well you know it's funny It, it is probably what we thought he would do when he was in the minors. I mean, in some ways, yeah, like 32 we years ago when we were hyped he, on. <laughs> when he's coming up in the Rangers, <laughs> we thought he might be like a 300 hitting 18 homer guy. And in some ways, you know, being a 300 hitting, you know, 25 to 30 homer guy these days is that 18 homer. That's guy. true. Yeah, that that that's basically the, the the same the same player type for today's offensive era. Yeah, what would I what? I think I might just have to uh, to trust the projections on this one. I'm kind of I can't figure this one out. There's no theory for me. I mean, there's no big batted ball mix change because he had he hit a bunch of fly balls last year and hit 217. So yeah, uh, you know it's it's um, it's maybe a confluence of the changing of the of the batted ball mix a little bit towards the power friendly, but then also you know returning to his roots as just a you know see the ball and hit the ball kind of guy. I mean he's. So, uh, He's a he's an uncomplicated fellow himself. So smokes eighth uh, on the ESPN Play Radar at first base. I know you're not touching him there. Jeez, Justin Smoke or Ryan Zimmerman? Oh, I have a feeling that Smoke is younger. Much. Well, I shouldn't say much. Like two or three years. Actually, uh, hang on. They might be the same age. <laughs> I completely changed nope. course on that uh, going from months. two or three years. There's <laughs> the 32 and 10 months for Ryan Zimmerman and 30. okay, okay. 30 and 8 months. Okay, so two years. The, the reason I backed so quickly on that was because I remember at one point this year when Zimmerman first got going, I was like, this is like a 35-year-old beasting out. And then I looked and he was 32. So, okay, yeah. So they're a couple years Shoot, difference. I just remembered. I think I went on the radio and talked about how old Ryan Zimmerman was last night. <laughs> I mean, you know, not not old. Not as old as you might think. Uh, so who do you like better there? I'm going to take Smoke. Okay. Uh, what I think those two years are pretty important years. I mean, that's going next year. He's going to be thirty-one, and Zimmerman's going to be thirty-three. I, I agree with you. I do. Uh, I do think that when you're in the, in your early thirties, there those those years are incrementally uh, a bigger deal mm-hmm. in terms of the projections and what you're looking at. Uh, what about Smoke versus Jose Abreu? Mm. Yeah, because Jose has not really made the big adjustment that we've been looking for. He he's he fits the the aging curve thing that we're talking about. Now he's a weird one because he comes from Cuba, uh, so he came in as a pro at age twenty seven, but he did the whole thing where it was his best year right away and then plateaued. And he's been a it's a solid plateau, but it again with the homer surge it makes him kind of eh, Jose Abreu. You plug him in and it's real steady, but it's not it's not catching your attention too much. Yeah, I'm gonna go with. I mean, I, I just like Jose Abreu better as a hitter. Like I, I know that he has that. He has a. a I do too. Flaw. So, so the big Jose Abreu flaw is that um, he doesn't really. He, he kind of goes the other way and doesn't really turn and burn on 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 fastballs. So they've uh, they've pitched him inside a lot, and his pull rate has not gone up. Um, what just happens is, that, you know, his. He, you know, he hits off of, mm-hmm. off of fly balls. 
And he's got and some output uh, power, but you know, you know to, to to really tap into your power. Okay, batting average. I'm taking uh, Jose Abreu. Well, then you got to take Abreu overall because I just don't know that their homers are going to be that that majorly different. You're going to put maybe you maybe you go 25. Smoke has 10 more has like 12 more homers than Abreu right now, but you you just you expect some aggression from Smoke in that category. And uh, Abreu is. I take Abreu. He's he's steady Eddie, <laughs> uh, and yeah. you know I don't have to worry about. A new, a new philosophy sticking with smoke. Uh, no, he's Is got he a free two more years though? actually. So oh, okay. maybe right. they trade him since they're moving everything that's not nailed down. And, right. uh, but he, you know, he's built maybe a little bit more expensive next year. He's like 10, 10, 11 mil this year. Maybe he's fourteen mil next year or something. Uh, and so they want to move him, but no. Uh, I think I'm going to go with a break. All right, you know, something happened here uh, in the last like. One minute when you start talking about a braid that uh, sounds a little scratchy on your volume, so we're going to cut it there in case the last minute or two is 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 lame. <laughs> exactly, so, I, it, it just happened like two minutes ago, so I hope not everything is messed up on the audio. But we'll go ahead and cut it here. We'll talk next week. I heard. Bye.